This is GamesAtWork.biz, your weekly podcast about gaming, technology, and play. Your hosts are Michael Martin, Andy Piper, and Michael Rowe. The thoughts and opinions on this podcast are those of the hosts and guests alone and are not the opinions of any organization which they have been, are, or may be affiliated with. This is episode 425, Tone Heads. Welcome again to another edition of GamesAtWork.biz. My name is Michael Martin, which you probably know if you've listened once or twice, but you might not if you're brand new. So welcome to the show. I am joined here once more with my favorite co-hosts of this podcast. Uh, We'll turn first to Mr. Michael Rowe. How are you doing, Michael? Hey, Michael, I am doing well, and I am also joined by my favorite co-hosts of this podcast, uh, Andy Piper. How are you? Hi there, both. Yeah, I'd like to talk about how Michael Martin is clearly just naming podcasts with an eye to the, 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 the art that he can add to the blog post on Sunday when he writes the show notes. He's already this already <laughs> picking out in his in his head, like, what screenshots from that movie can I get into the as, as our hero banner image? Yeah, got to find mm-hmm. something, you know, that's that's got to be there. So w- we we came up with a fun name to start because I- I'm assuming, Michael, this is your article because you're the one who looks at the security stuff a lot. Um, there is a blog post about how you might be able to disable a self-driving car. I, I thought this was so funny and I it, it's probably been a couple of weeks since I saw it and then was reminded by it from... Uh, Schneier on security. Um, so self-driving cars, or um, as close as we have to self-driving cars right now, um, can easily be disabled because if if their cameras pick up cones, they know it's a hazard situation and they should come to a stop and wait for the you know hazard to be cleared or, or whatever. And so what people have been doing, which is really funny, is, is just grabbing uh, yellow cones or the orange cones, yellow, co- orange, whatever they are in your neighborhood, and just putting them on the hood of the car. And it immediately causes the car to stop, and it'll just sit there until you let the cone away. <laughs> and I, I just love it because, you know, it's when you think about uh, building AI and, and systems that are designed on various inputs, uh, you're going to have certain rules to protect things. And sometimes you can hack those rules in, in fun and entertaining ways. <laughs> And it's delightfully low tech, as it says. So there, there are different, exactly. there are different theories about why this actually works. But I would have to imagine that if, if it were camera based, um, seeing what's on the hood of the car is kind of funny because the cameras are always going to be looking out over the hood of the car. And if there's always a cone mm-hmm. there, no matter what happens, there's a cone there. Well, surely it doesn't matter what object is on the hood of the car. There shouldn't be an object on the hood of the car. Something has gone wrong. If there's an object <laughs> on the hood of the car. So why not put a, or a person? Why not? Why not? Why not put a put a, put a piece of fruit on the hood of the car? I mean, you know, it's uh, we ought to test that. <laughs> I, 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 I'm just putting the idea out there. Um, yeah, uh, I haven't seen that locally because we don't see a lot of self-driving cars in the area here. But uh, you might, when you're in London, see those. I, you might be able to, you know, just just put a mini pig on the hood of. We car. don't get that. They'll think they hit a car. I'm not sure. I'm not confident that. Uh, well, so the, the article was referring to the self-driving cars as AVs, as in autonomous vehicles. Uh, I'm not confident mm. that um, many, if any, have been approved for use in the UK yet. I have a feeling that one of the manufacturers got some form of approval recently, but typically, no, I certainly don't see them um, around London. Either way, this story, in uh, after the Schneier on security 
story that we have in the show notes. It links through to Vice, and the original story here talks about the fact that a few folks in, I believe, San Francisco got the idea that coning this idea of conings would work because they saw a, a cone on the hood of an AV which appeared disabled, um, and they weren't sure whether it was the fact that it had been put on the vehicle to say that it was disabled or that it had caused the vehicle to become disabled. Either way, they then decided to give it a try and found that it that it did indeed stop the vehicles. Um, as I say, I would think that anything so- on the hood should cause a problem. It does say here they, they suspect that the cone partially blocks the LiDAR detectors on the roof. Um, but mm. it's uh, problematic. Well, what, what I find interesting, and, and, and the way you said your introduction, I thought it was perfect. It was, you know, if you're if you're playing a, a shooter game, you've been pwned. Here you've been conned. Mm. <laughs> right. <laughs> and if they were going to do this it. in London, wouldn't they put it on the bonnet? Well, could be the front. Well, so also the um, the companies involved, so Waymo is one of them, and they are referring to this as vandalism. But um, the motherboard vice have asked how this classifies as vandalism because, according to California legal code, that requires defacing, damaging, or destroying property. Um, and Waymo were not able to uh, clarify that. So, so yeah. So, um, related <laughs> segue there, Harvey Mudd College, also in California, uh, is notorious for their pranks. And they have a rule there that says a prank must be reversible within 24 hours in order to be okay. So, that maybe would fall also in the same California code there, what would be considered vandalism. So, if you use like a, a spray and wash spray paint that comes off with water, you'd be okay. I- if it can be reversible within 24 hours, I guess the prank is considered to be okay. Oh, well, speaking of okay, uh, and I'm not sure if this is just okay. This actually looks better than okay. Um, from New World Notes, where we've picked up a couple of interesting stories over time, there is a PS5, PS5 game from Sony called Viewfinder. And the the video, and we're an audio podcast, but the video here is just absolutely incredible in the way that this game is played by taking pictures, which are then rendered into the game as you're playing it. Bonker stuff. Yeah, I you- I uh, think I saw Epred or somebody um, mention this, but I have had Viewfinder on my wish list on Steam for some time, and um, I do have it on my Steam Deck. I haven't started it up yet because I've got other things on my Steam Deck, such as Dave the Diver, which I've been really enjoying. Uh, and uh, I've been downloading Baldur's Gate 3 as well, uh, much against my better judgment, but that doesn't go live. Um, or you can play it now, but it, you, you, nothing will be worth anything until after the 1st of August when uh, when the game goes live properly. Um, yeah, Viewfinder looks really, really fun, and it's the fact that it was a, a Unity demo uh, three years ago, over four, three years ago, and now it's a, an actual game that folks can play. And, uh, yeah, the feature, as you say, Michael, is just incredible um it looks it, it kind of reminds me of 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 inception yeah just the way they're putting the images in and then it changes mm. the reality of the mm. world mm. um the idea of as, as it's described here of putting a copy of the world on top of the world um it's it's <laughs> yeah it's crazy it's really cool so so i have to ask so so you've already purchased Baldur's gate uh three mm. 
I was very interested, and I haven't bought it yet. So you'll have so, to let me know if it's worth. So it. my my friend asked me several weeks ago whether I could help to upgrade her Steam Deck because um, she'd got the entry level uh, sixty four gig one, and I'd got a five twelve gig one. And I said, yeah, why not? Let's let's both do it. Let's both go up to a terabyte of storage. And I upgraded mine, and it worked. And then I upgraded hers. And then I said, wait a minute. You want to play Baldur's Gate, why? don't you? You want to play Baldur's Gate 3, because I know she's a massive <laughs> D&D fan. And she came clean and said, yep, that's fair. In fact, Baldur's Gate uh, wouldn't fit in its entirety or even at the minimum download on her, on the entirety of her Steam Deck disc before we did the upgrade. So, uh, yeah, wow. but it's been in beta for, or been in early access for like three years. It's ridiculous. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. Um, I feel like I've got way, 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 way too many games and other things to be doing to actually commit to the number of hours that that thing is going to take. But, uh, yeah, I will give you some. Now form you have of the review. capability to do it, right? Do I, do I have enough screens to do it? Do I don't I know. Time? Do I have like enough brain space? Just need hours in the day. Yeah. <laughs> have, have enough memory. Have enough. Uh... I'm telling you, Dave the Diver is where it's at. Ah, it's good game. Good game. Uh, well, well, we'll have to have put that in the show notes and take a look at that later. It's, it sounds intriguing. But I've got Viewfinder so, as well. Ah, what do I do? Which one do I go for first? Ah. <laughs> so sticking with Sony here for a second, we had a um, a listener link in from our friend E Predator um, highlighting. George Ezra's Gold Rush Kid experience on Roblox. And I took a look at this and it seemed to me to be another uh, interesting experience in a virtual world kind of environment of doing a concert there. Um, it struck me that there was a lot of following that needed to happen in this space too, because the performer seemed to be always moving off into the distance. So there was some action you had to do as a, as a, participant listener concert goer if you will to kind of keep up with with the performer uh, but that seems a little strange so, to, to generate uh what was it the um, drum marketing amia award 2023 best metaverse honor well so i guess it's kind of a cool way to demonstrate different aspects of a, a meta space right yeah. uh you can kind of it's kind of like a musical guided tour oh so yeah, I, I hadn't had a chance to, to watch this. Well, yeah, so yeah. Pipe, oh, that's good. I friend. still follow Watley Dude and and he read his five things on Friday, and he posted one today, and in that he talked about uh, the Roblox exper immersive experience for the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, and uh, kind of commented that just by putting it in Roblox means that you immediately get way more eyeballs than you do than if you went into Decentraland or any of the other sort of uh, virtual spaces. Um, but kind of seemed underwhelmed by the idea of of that uh, experience as well. But um, I, I saw this from EPED and, and the Roblox thing being the common de denominator. And yeah, I, it's good to know that people are still getting excited about that stuff, but I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. I was worried I was missing something here too, Andy. So uh, thank you for for uh, for confirming. All right. Let's let's leave. Yay! They're doing it again. Yay. So let's leave Sony uh, for for the moment um, and come back to a little bit of Dungeons and Dragons, like your your friend here, Andy. And we have an um, a PC gamer article this time uh, talking about the virtual tabletop and I, I, reading this article. 
it, it struck me a little bit on two fronts. One, if you do too many things to eliminate imagination and just focus on real things like a tabletop game with maps and figurines and that sort of thing, you start to lose a whole bunch of fidelity and the human creativity that comes with games like Dungeons and Dragons. On the flip side, you also are not taking advantage of a more guided tour, so to speak, coming back, Michael, to your, your comments a moment ago, where at the game it can be a more curated experience, almost cinematic in that sense. So I, having played a lot of D&D when I was younger, I, I think I fall in the first camp more so, um, but I can see where the second has its value too. So I, I saw this article and it actually enticed me to go to the D&D website and and download one of the apps and 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 look at some of the new rule changes in version five. Um, and uh, you know, I, I think I'm I'm like you. All the campaigns we used to play. I mean, we almost didn't even use figures, right? It was pretty much just a bunch of people sitting in a room. Uh, with pen and paper and dice uh, and beer and pizza. And hats. Uh, Did you have hats? Did you have other sort of accoutrements? Nope. No. Uh, matter of fact, we were all butt naked. Whoa. Uh, okay. More than more you information than we need. Is your own business. <laughs> just, just kidding. Uh, no. Uh, but it was, it was more pure imagination and the dice. Uh, I knew friends who were into the minifigs, right? The little mini. Yeah, the lead know, the, figurines. The figurines. And you would end up, and I have a couple that I hand painted and stuff, but they would, they would then draw out the room a little bit, and that was about it. Uh, and uh, I didn't figure that was necessary, right? Uh, but then again, we were more into getting in the room and doing the attack or getting into the space, not okay, I'm six squares away, right, and that type of stuff. But the other aspect that I did find interesting about the the new approach that they're trying to roll out with this kind of cross-platform play is the ability that we've talked about of playing remotely mm -hmm. sitting in front of the same virtual map and and i i have a, a a friend who does play right now with people from around the country and they do it over zoom right now uh so they end up you know one person will like shine a shine a camera down at whatever they want to show and then they get all back on zoom and they're rolling the dice etc um but i i did find it interesting to try to bring more people into the gaming environment with different um, aspects of how they could play. So you could do it with your laptop in front of you or your iPad, or you could just you know have a table in front of you. Uh, I, I thought that was a good approach to bring more people into the game. And just because you have uh, some kind of augmentation to help you imagine things, I don't think it takes away for those uh, of us who were purely imaginative in how we did our play. Okay. <laughs> What's really great about editing oh. is we can take that very, very, very long pause out. <laughs> or, or we we make or it we even longer. we can add longer. a couple of very longs we in it. We make it even longer. Or at least some sound effects in there. Put in, put in some sound effects of like characters clashing yeah. on the digital tabletop that you're all going to be playing on in the future. <laughs> or dice rolling, and we have that I felt the I felt the story was a little bit um, deliberately, ne uh, not deliberately, uh, overtly negative for the sake of being negative. I mean, they do call, talk about a couple yes. of alternative um, virtual space environments and tools 
And I know that it's often a um, a bit of a sport to be down on Wizards of the Coast who that owns the D&D uh, franchise and uh, things. But it's also a matter of finding ways to, I guess, finding ways to evolve those experiences as well. There's no reason why mm-hmm. you shouldn't be able to play any of those games or any game almost, or, you know, to a, to a large extent using just, you know, your pen and paper and your imagination, right? Um, so yeah, I think, um, I, as I read through it, I was thinking, is this just someone who wants to be grumpy, um, and down on new stuff or, or not, but yeah, I, I've yet to, I didn't really understand it from either, either perspective of someone who has got very into D and I've enjoyed it in the past, but it's not something that I, um, have, have, have been like super deep in. Um, and, um, and, and nor, um, am I looking for reasons to sort of, uh, not try new stuff. And I haven't seen any, any evidence other than the description in this story of what this one D and D or whatever it may end up looking like, um, would be like to use. While you, we've been chatting here, I've been looking at this roll 20.net marketplace Mm -hmm. and, um, there's some things in there that really would have been fantastic back back in the day when I was playing too. Like I, I do remember we had on, on one case a f- really fabulous map that we could roll out of a particular city mm-hmm. that you were visiting, and it wasn't you know I'm moving three squares over now during my turn. It was you had this entire map of okay, there's a blacksmith here, and there's a tavern there, and there's this that and the other, and it was all worth potentially exploring. And with a good dungeon master, you you don't have to. You don't have to say, oh, I got to look up what's in uh, map quadrant DF8 uh, and mm. now read off from a list what was there. Um, so so there's some things I, I'm sure, you know, there's a get off my lawn and, and things evolve and things do get better. But there's also a little a little bit of sadness for me. And maybe that's where the grumpiness comes from here, too. The picture that they've got of three D&D players sitting around with their laptops players, open. All sitting around with their laptops yeah. open and yeah. looking down at their laptops. It's yeah. like, come on, I, I I I got that as well. Um and wondered what the purpose of that piece of art was as well. Um, in terms of like what is that is that setting an expectation or there, there's actually a, a fairly full length video accompanying this article that shows you that in context. Okay. I I haven't seen that one. <laughs> so if you remember, people had screens up, mm. right? The DM sometimes would have a screen with certain charts and stuff. And players might have a player screen with your character and key aspects. Those are actually their screens. And on it is your character and other information. So again, a bit grumpy cat, right? Uh, and... If you have a grumpy mindset in the article, looking at it, you immediately goes to the negative. If you put it in context, it may make more Since sense. Since we're talking about being grumpy, I should just um, trail the fact that I'm also going to be appearing on the Tech Grumps podcast um, over the coming months. Uh, so do look up <laughs> do look up Tech Grumps uh, series three, and I should be featured on some future episodes. So, so, so how are you going to psych yourself up to be grumpy enough for that podcast, Andy? I, I don't know. Maybe I'll come on this one first. There are a few days. Yeah. <laughs> hey, yo. <laughs> All right. Now that we've complained a lot about D&D and, and more, um, let's talk about another old game. And, and old is, I guess, relative. Uh, cannot believe that Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic is 20 years old. That's 20. Bonkers. Holy crap. Bonkers. 
And I personally, I don't think I even played it. What? Maybe, maybe once or twice. I don't know. My, Michael, you were in there quite a bit, though. Well, I wouldn't say quite a bit. Not Knights of the Old Republic. Uh, I tried to play it. It was uh, one of the Bioware, I believe, uh, more story-driven yeah. games. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really as much of an open world mm-hmm. as uh, Star Wars Galaxy. Yeah. Um, and it was single-player campaign, at least the way I played it. Uh, I, I don't know if there was another way. And I did get the, uh, I think, on uh, Apple app store uh, a couple of years, five or six years ago, they came out with a version for the Mac. Um, and I've tried to play it there. And I I found it okay, but I never really got into it. So uh, what I found interesting about the article, though, was the lore that the gamers developed building this game or the developers built that ended up in camp. Yeah, exactly right. And, um, and the fact that some of it's being sort of retrospectively being back in to fill in the uh different periods Balls, and they wanted yeah. to have um darth bane in uh in one of the the, the new movies i think or was it not darth bane uh darth revan um yeah where they wanted to bring uh revan into um some of the the, the sequel tr- trilogy so um yeah there was some super cool stuff there um and if you ever got seriously into what they now call Star Wars Legends as in the the old uh extended universe then uh yeah there was some really cool stuff in that in in those in those two games but uh yeah i i i love the fact that they went into that much detail and something that really explores this in in that much depth is is really is really cool so it's a nice story there's some great um concept art in there and it's yeah it's uh it's a good little bit of video gaming history it reminded me andy of the beginning of the show where you talked about you had too many games you couldn't really play Baldur's gate um and uh i actually read that article and wanted to go back and start playing Baldur's gate <laughs> it I, yeah no no oh I've, right i've got Baldur's gate one and two yeah. i don't have three same uh but uh but I've got three, Knights but I've got public, I've, and I just went. Mm, I downloaded. I just don't have time. Downloaded one and two because one uh, those 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 games I've completed, and I think I completed them on Linux actually a long time ago. But uh, yeah, uh, I downloaded those on my Steam Deck as well. Um, not not so long ago. It's a bit like Street Fighter Two that I have to own on every single platform I ever use because <laughs> it's just the game I grew up playing so much. So. <laughs> How many copies do you suppose you've bought of that? Oh my gosh, it's pretty ridiculous. Yeah, all of them, those. basically. Yeah. Well, uh, wrapping up our show for the week, uh, at least from our run of show, we have an article here that Andy, I know you're going to have quite a bit to talk about. Um, the Framework Laptop 16, hmm. uh, the newest version of this, has uh, I guess just been made available, and there's a lovely article from The Verge talking about their experiences with it. So, for our listening audience that has no clue what a framework is, uh, maybe you can kind of give them a framework for what it is, hmm. and then no, I see what you did there. More about it. Uh, yeah. See. Well, so the framework is a um, fully repairable um, laptop, basically, and it's designed to be sustainable, so that it's modular. You can replace the battery, the motherboard, the the monitor, the the the, the display, the the keyboard, etc., um, as you need to and as you want to upgrade. So I have the framework uh, thirteen, which is the existing sort of core model. Um, I had a have an Intel motherboard in it. 
Um, they have in the last six months released uh, the next generation of Intel chips and also an AMD motherboard, which you can swap in if you want to. Uh, I haven't done that. I bought the new battery because it was had a slightly higher capacity. Uh, I nearly bought the, instead of the glossy display, which I have, I nearly bought the matte display, which I could have put in myself. They come with their own, its own, uh, it comes with its own little um, screwdriver, a framework branded screwdriver. It's nothing special other than, you know, it comes with the screwdriver. It also has, uh, <laughs> instead, in, in place of the, where you have your expansion ports, those are all on cards, which you can pull out and plug in different ones. So you can choose what combination of ports you want. So on mine, I typically go with, I think, three USB-C and one USB-A, but I can swap in a, an HDMI port if I want to and in place of one of those. And it just literally pop, pops out as a module and you slot in another one. Now, because they are on individual modules, it means that, you know, you've only got two on each side of the 13-inch, for example. So you have to make some choices. But somebody built a, a dev board and ESP32 uh, Wi-Fi uh, board, which is inside a module. And I've got one of those as well. And it's a 3D printed case uh, for that that you just slot in. So the, the the big thing about the 16 inch is that it's a gaming laptop. And the thing about the gaming laptop is you don't want integrated graphics, you want discrete graphics and they you want discrete graphics that you can separately upgrade. So it's a, kind of a holy grail uh, in the sense of uh, laptops because Gamers are always chasing, you know, the the, the top end uh, graphics cards to, to get the best performance out of their games and the best visual uh, visuals and fidelity. And uh, this one is a bit chunkier. Um, it's considerably chunkier than the 13 inch. Uh, I run Linux on my 13 inch. Uh, it runs really well. Um, the 16 inch, I think, has space for more uh, side slotting modules and ports and things. It's got a wider, obviously got a wider keyboard space to make up for also to, to correspond with the bigger display. And what that means is as well as having a regular QWERTY keyboard, you can have a whole extra panel of additional stuff, be that a touchpad or a, uh, uh, a numeric keypad or whatever you might want. It's got a lot of the gaming sort of uh, stuff like, you know, RGB lighting and all that sort of fun stuff as well. Um, it's got, as you say, very good reviews and there's a nice a uh, little animated GIF in the article showing how, you know, you might swap out the keyboard, customize the, the way that it, it fits together, uh, so on. So looks really good. Not something I've needed. Uh, I'm very happy with the one I have. It's, it's a really nice machine. I must say as something that is designed in this way, um, it's not done cheaply. It's done in a really high quality, nice manner. And I believe Cory Doctorow has one and has also talked about the fact that, you know, he broke the screen at some point or the keyboard and, you know, just oh, needed to swap in a new one. And, and he was yeah, able to do that. Yeah, he was in a hotel that. room. Yeah, right? he was right? in a hotel so, room, I think, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's really good. Um, so I can't say too much bad about it so far. I'm actually uh, surprised or not surprised. Uh, so I, I just spec'd it out pretty close to my MacBook Pro. Mm. Uh, my 16-inch MacBook Pro, the Intel one that I got rid of recently. Mm -hmm. And it's price-wise, when I spec it out to the same storage, USB ports, memory, etc., uh, only a $1,000 difference. And, you know, look, you are stuck with... And upgradable. You are, yes, upgradable is the key, right? You are stuck with the non-Apple Silicon. So, I mean, the, the key thing about Apple Silicon, as we know, is that it's 
fully integrated um, GPU on the, on the same die as, as the CPU and all that other stuff, mm-hmm. um, which gives you a ton of benefits around performance, battery power usage, and and so on. Um, and obviously, you're running Mac OS, and you're kind of stuck with mostly running Mac OS until um, Asahi Linux is 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 usable. But um, yeah, this I, I've been really impressed with the expandability, upgradability of the one that I have. I don't use it super often, but I use it enough. I enjoy using it. It's um, and as I say, it's a, it's a very nicely, it's a very nice machine to have alongside my MacBook as a comparative thing that I can run other operating systems on. So I have to share very something cool. fun with you guys about this too. Um, as you go down the Verge article toward the bottom. I think it's actually at the bottom. There's a picture of the laptop's midboard, which is signed by the members of their team, mm-hmm. which I think is a nice touch. You know, it's something um, that, that goes back to Unix days and Data General and stuff like that, where people would do that sort of thing too. Uh, and there's a QR code there mm. uh, next to all the people that have signed their names. And if you go to that QR code, it takes you to job postings for framework. Oh, so, that's interesting. So that's, uh, the, isn't that the, cute? Very cool. The, the, it is cute. Yeah. The, the, the thing to note is that most of the components have a QR code on them. Um, lit- they literally take you to the repair page, uh, the instructions on how to like replace that component. So as you scroll mm-hmm. through the article, you'll see that you'll see a number of QR codes on different components. And that is absolutely how they they ship. You know, you, you need to replace a component, scan the QR code, get the instructions yeah, on how to replace one. it, order a new one. Um, you're on your way. There's, there's a, that's almost convenient. I know it's, it's crazy. Right. And, and it's a little bit, I got the, uh, I got the different colored, um, bezel for my display. I got, I've got the bright orange one, which is pictured, um, towards the middle of the article. Uh, mm-hmm. and, um, I have to say I got it as a, you know, uh, let's see how cool this is and it's magnetic and it just pulls off and you just put a place on, but it is, I, it is a little bit alarming to have this bright orange. <laughs> Surround around my display. <laughs> Screaming at you. I was going to um, ask you that. It, it does look yeah. like it's a little exciting. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's your interpersonalization. It's obviously a nice thing, and it was, it, you know, I think it's one of the l- lesser expense uh, add-ons. But yeah, I, I backed away from using it in the end. Um, so um, yeah, I can't say enough nice things. To be honest, in the in my experience of it, which has been about eight months. To be honest. Um, the, the, the one thing, uh, and and this is an unfair ask, uh, it would be really nice as if if you could build this with the old track point. Oh yeah, and no trackpad. So I think um, then I would have a replacement laptop for my wife. So <laughs> I don't know if you both remember the um, the thing that looked like the Tandy TRS eighty that I the mm-hmm. that I that I mm-hmm. have as well the. Um, uh, dev term and folks have been sort of and there's also a, a various other sort of slots together type things so people the the other one that's coming along is the mnt reform have you both seen the mnt reform laptop so people have people have been have coming up with um mnt reform it's on crowd supply uh and people have been coming up with expansions and i don't know i don't remember if they've got a track point for the mnt reform but uh but certainly, um, those kind of things are things that people have been have been working on. To oh, certainly they've been building uh, different keyboard layouts um, for some of these modular laptops uh, and keyboards. So um, yeah, there's some there's some very cool stuff uh, going on in that sort of space outside of the mainstream, you know, 
majority of the population sort of uh, hardware, which is really exciting to see. So I think I've got the MNT yeah. reform po pocket uh, coming towards the end of the year, uh, which looks like a really nice sort of almost netbook sized uh, one um, that again is is super open, super repairable, um, lets you do all kinds of things and it's running um, fully open source, uh, everything basically. So, wow. Uh, is the framework also- The little seven inch one. Yeah. Yeah, it looks really small. Is the framework also the laptop that you can uh, do things like uh, take out the microphone and then ensure there's there's no microphone hardware? I mean, in, in, princ in principle, you could do that. Um, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if someone like Corey might have done that, but um, I'm not 100% sure uh, on, on that piece. They've got yeah, a really good. A, they've got a really good forum. Yeah, they've they've got a really and similar to M, uh, to M and T. They've got really good forums they're very good on support um and uh yeah impressed well that gets us to the end of our show for this week we've covered quite a lot of ground as we ordinarily do starting with some wackiness with cones and ending up with other orange things here in the end as well so if you our listening audience would like us to touch on a particular topic uh, there's a number of ways to find us on social media and dropping us a line so that we can pick up your stories and your ideas and get a chance to chat about them here on games at work biz. And we would love you to do that. Uh, we'd also love you by the way, to take a look at the rating uh, that you can give on your podcatcher of choice. So take a moment if you would and do that. That always helps other people find us and we will be back again in about a week's time. Hopefully we won't be melted by then with the heat wave going on around the world. Um, but assuming that we're not, we will have another show for you in about a week's time, and we'll have it up on gamesatwork.biz. See ya. See ya. Bye, everybody. You've been listening to gamesatwork.biz, the podcast about gaming technology and play. We are part of the Blueberry Podcasting Network, and would like to thank the band Random Encounters for their song, Big Blue. You can follow us on Twitter at gamesatwork underscore biz or at our website at gamesatwork.biz. Gamesatwork.biz.